Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's episode of Hope Talks. I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And I'm Grayson Willis. Hey, it's so good to have you all with us today. And today we have Penny Wilhelm joining us. It's good to have you, Penny. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to hear your story. And so, Penny, could you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up? I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. My birth mother was um, about 16, 17 years old. Um, Her mother was Catholic. She was not. And it was decided that she would go to a Catholic unwed mother's home. While she was pregnant with me, and this is, I think, a key part of my story in that God has always been pursuing me even before I was born. Mm. President Kennedy was assassinated. Mm. And... She walked the streets of Boston, and she said that all the bells were ringing and that she was praying that this child that she was carrying would have that servant's heart that Kennedy was so pushing for for this country and all the things that were going on in the country at the time. And so I feel like whether she knew it or not, she was praying over my life. Mm -hmm. She gave birth to me, and she was lucky enough to have the opportunity, which was kind of unheard of, to have me for the whole entire time she was in the hospital. Mm. So I was held and talked to and cuddled. And it wasn't her choice to put me up for adoption. It was her parents' choice because she was a minor. And I was put in a foster home. So there was a family that had one child of their own, and they had had seven miscarriages. Mm. And both my mom and my dad, and my mom and dad are the persons who raised me, That's why I refer to my birth mother, Carol, as my birth mother. She gave me life, and I'm so grateful to her for that. Um, But the people who raised me were my parents. They Mm. were there when I was that awful teenager, when I went through all the things, and um, they loved me. And um, they were Catholic, so hence I was adopted through Catholic charities. And they had lost seven babies, babies that they knew were boys and girls. It didn't matter if she was laying down in bed resting. She lost them at a certain point. Um, So they were very excited to get this new baby. Um, The only thing was is that I was three or so months old, and every time they tried to hold me and cuddle me to feed me like you want to do with a baby, I was just beside myself. I couldn't handle it. Um, they found that I was, my mother was a nurse, so she asked the social worker. The social worker said, I'll find out what they did at the foster home. Well, there were too many babies, so I went from being held for my first week of life to not being held for an extended period of time. They said that food was always an issue with me. Um, being from a big Italian family, I did get used to being hugged, but food was always an issue, and I never realized that until I did Celebrate Recovery. As a teenager, I struggled with anorexia. Um, I still struggle with that. When I'm under stress, I can't eat. It's the total opposite. Like people say, oh, that would be a wonderful thing to have. But you really ruin your body's metabolism Mm -hmm. over time. Um, When I was a teenager, I went down to 
about 80 pounds. They were looking to put me in a hospital. That was when Karen Carpenter had died during that time period. And they were really worried and scared. I could not eat. I could not make myself eat. It was, I guess, the only thing I could control. Mm -hmm. But it controlled me all through my life. And I never made that connection, no matter what therapy I did and poor choices. It was always with me. It was the only thing that I had that I could control was what I put into my body. So it wasn't until Celebrate Recovery that I discovered the connection. And I've just been so amazed at how God has worked these things out. My birth mother, I did meet her when I was a young mother. And there was a few things about my initial story about where I told you that she prayed over me. Mm-hmm. All my life before I had met her, I had a distinct remembrance that I could never shake. It was feeling like I was upside down. It was a strip of cold on my body, and it was a sound of crunch. And well, when Kennedy was assassinated, it was November. And so she was walking the streets of Boston. So the first thing she said to me was, what do church bells mean to you? And I told her that whole experience, that all those feelings. And she proceeded to tell me what she was doing that day. So I knew there was a connection, and I knew that God was pursuing me at that point. Also, God put, um, I had to go to catechism because I really respect my parents. They um, were told that in order to adopt me, they had to raise me as a Catholic. And I definitely rebelled against that. I did not want to go to Catholic school like my cousins. And luckily, I didn't have to. My parents respected that. But I did have to go to catechism. And I always had a hard time with, who are these people And why do they have numbers after their names? And no one would ever explain that to me, (laughs) ever. And I remember my cousin, Billy, had a G.I. Joe, and G.I. Joes did army time. So I thought, was it army time? Was it military? I had no idea. No one could explain it. Even my parents couldn't explain it. Um, They just, they didn't have anything. It was um, the lady across the street, Skippy, who was a Baptist, who explained to me what those numbers were. And my mom allowed her to share things with me up to a point. I had to go through all the Catholic rites, communion, confirmation, but I could not make any change until I was an adult. Um, They did let me go to a Bible study at my high school, and that's when I got saved. Mm. That was the start of it all for me. I went to a musical revival thing, which I had no idea what it was at the time. And there was um, the call to accept Christ. And I remember going forward. And then I don't remember a lot after that. I remember crying and I couldn't stop. And I remember at one point we were driving around after this event and I still was crying. I couldn't stop. I don't know why I was crying. And they were kind of afraid. And I just remember one thing. Wow, that was a real cleansing, one of them said. They finally got me calmed down enough and got got me home. But my parents were a little bit freaked out because I was very emotional. And it was not like anything that they had ever seen from me. Um, so they pulled me back a little bit. Um, so I know that God was pursuing me during my teenage years. Um, I made a lot of poor choices. I married young, I had children young, and I stayed in that situation because I thought it was best for the children. Mm -hmm. And 
in hindsight, it wasn't the best thing for the children because what my children saw was dysfunction. And whether they knew it or not, they were aware of the eating disorder because I would always feed them and not sit down and busy myself. And to this day, they're always trying to send me home with food. (laughs) Um, They're always making sure that something like that happens because they worry about that. My introduction to coming down south into the valley was um, from my ex-husband's family. He was, his family was originally from down here. And all the cousins that were my children's ages were down here. So it was always the draw to come down here. My son, when he was old enough, moved down here. And when my youngest child was getting ready to turn 18, my middle child said, um, I don't want to see this anymore and I don't want my sister to live in this and if you would like to leave come with us we're going down south Mm. um that's it in a nutshell and that's how we ended up here and it was quite a journey the first six months I think all I did was cry I didn't know where anything was I didn't know anybody but I was trusting God um before I moved I did do a little bit of church research, and I found a little church to attend, and I was happy with that, and that I got to serve the homeless community with them. But I was so broken, and I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what was available. And somebody told me about divorce care, and that was like the start of it all. And when I went to that divorce care, I met a person who goes to church here who's still a very dear friend of mine. And she said, why don't you come to my church? Because she cried through divorce care at the instinct. (laughs) And we both cried through the whole entire thing. And they're doing it. So why don't you come to my church? And I said, what's your church? And she said, Harrison Church of the Nazarene. And I was like, oh, that big church? Oh, that's too big. And she goes, just come. Just come once. And I came once, and I never left. Mm. And I knew that God had his hand on me because he opened so many doors for healing. And I learned the one thing that I had been searching for but never found at the various churches that I had attended was that I was taught that it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. And it had never been delivered in a way that was true and uplifting and supportive. And so I um, went to divorce care here. And I didn't know anybody, so I joined Liz Gill and Waters Life Group at the time because she was the divorce care leader at the time. And she, just everyone, I was so raw. If you asked me a question, oh, my gosh, it was like opening up the floodgates. <laughs> I never knew what was going to come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And just one person after another said, hey, I know about this hey, I know about that. I learned about codependency and took classes, had to take everything twice because the first time I cried through it and just had a hard time with it. Greater Hope was a big help, and uh, Carolyn Bing was a big help. She was my counselor during all of this. And I don't know what I would have done without my life group. I'm eternally grateful to the life group that I had while I was going through all of this because I was so raw and they were so loving and understanding. And there's where I saw a relationship because they were living it. Mm-hmm. And I had never, ever experienced that connection before. The Mwares were my life group leaders and 
I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from my life group about just being unconditionally loved and prayed for. I know they had to be praying for me because they never knew what I was going to say. And when Pastor Carrie and Pastor Margaret um, talked about Celebrate Recovery, I knew I had to learn about this. Even if God didn't want me to do this, I needed to learn about it because I knew this was a key. In the interim, I was given lots of opportunities that I probably shouldn't, <laughs> looking back, shouldn't have had the opportunity to do. But this church family loved me so much that they let me try things. And if it was time to step away, it was mutual. Like if I needed to make changes in my life. But one of the things that I had the opportunity to do was to serve here in shepherding. And I don't sometimes know who has helped more, them or me, mm-hmm. to sit down with people at various ages and stages and situations and to hear how God was working in their lives and to share a devotion with them and to pray with them. It was just such a blessing. I learned that we all have stuff, even the people that seem to have it together. They all have stuff. But the one thing I saw was um, how God worked in their life. So when we did CR kind of felt like I was like, I don't know where they're going to need me for this. I don't know where. And I showed up on launch night not knowing what my role was going to be. Leaders had already been picked, and I was just there as a support person. Wherever y'all needed me, that's where I was to be. Mm-hmm. And that very night I got told, um, would you like to co-lead in codependency? And that's where I met Teresa Crawford. We had never met, talked to each other, said really anything except like maybe see each other in the big group that was learning about Celebrate Recovery, but we never had any interaction. And we learned together, and it was a wonderful experience. And to see how God had worked in her and Jim's life was just amazing. And I was really grateful for that opportunity. So... Now I'm helping out with addictions, and it's interesting to, I've learned so much, and I continue to learn so much. Mm-hmm. And um, recently I had texted Pastor Margaret, like, the word hope, um, and it kind of sums up Celebrate Recovery, and it sums up what Jesus is for us. Hope is hearing other people's experiences, mm-hmm. And when we hear other people's experiences, we realize we're not alone, that other people have gone through it before us. And when we say it out loud, I have a friend who thinks the other way, but when we say it out loud, it loses. The devil can't use it against us. It can't ping pong around in our head. Yeah, we might go home after that first Celebrate Recovery. And I sometimes say to new people, and you might feel like, I shouldn't have gone. I'm not going to go back. But the devil doesn't want you to go back. Mm -hmm. You're being set free by being able to talk about the things that happen. And the whole process, it's very interesting to me that people come in right exactly where they need to. And if they stick with it and they make it through the whole thing, they have that aha moment that they, that was why I had to step in at this time. Mm -hmm. Like, um... Right now, we seem to be, uh, we're at the point where we're talking about taking an inventory. And I've always found it very fascinating that the people who come in at that mm-hmm. time are ones who are looking to repair relationships in their life. Mm-hmm. 
and it seems overwhelming. And I remember multiple times that we did it in training that it felt like there was not going to be enough paper. <laughs> so <laughs> to, true. To write down all that has happened and all that I have to make amends to and about. And the one thing I was really grateful for was that it is in there, unless it is harmful, unless it would be harmful to you or another person. Yeah. And that is so freeing because if you follow the program, which is one of the things that we learned in training, if you follow the program and you stay with it, God will get you through it. He will get you through each one. And that's why doing step studies, every time you go through another layer, another layer of healing. Healing. (laughs) And sometimes you don't even know it. And one of the other things that has been huge in my life and with my family is that the things that used to cause a certain response in me no longer does. And I've learned to be a listener and not try to fix and not be codependent anymore and to let others go through what they need to, but also be there when they need to talk. And that was huge. I think that when we sit in a room and we're sharing in small group, we all get the opportunity to let um, Jesus shine through and we get to be his eyes and his ears and we get to show that love and compassion that he has for us Mm -hmm. um, and know that we're not alone there's something powerful to be able to sit in in a room with others that are have not the same struggles but you know that you find yourself at a place in life where you need to be able to process some things and to be able to have the opportunity to process that um it's powerful to be able to speak some of the things, you know, is powerful in itself. But to be able to do that in a place where you don't feel judged, a place where you can show up and mm-hmm. be who you are. There's no pretension. It's powerful and it's healing. You know, Penny, I, I remember when you came to the church and um, it's been so, it's been a journey. Like you've, yes, you've always engaged and been available and you know, I've watched you grow, just continuing to lean into the Lord and um, to grow. And it's been a really amazing journey to watch and to see your heart uh, for others. And, you know, you were talking about in shepherding when you were engaging there and how it is a two-way street, right? You go mm-hmm. for that other person, but Man, we get a blessing. Like the Lord blesses us by serving. It brings joy to others. And he does something uh, that we can't even fathom until we actually engage ministry. And it's as easy or as complex, right, as sitting down Mm -hmm. and having a conversation. Yes. And all of a sudden you realize that person you're going to see that you have something in common. God Mm -hmm. does this thing where he melts our hearts together. and, And you would think, well, I probably won't have anything in common with them, but God always does that beautiful work of melting our hearts together. And then thinking about and celebrate recovery, like just watching you engage and interact. And I'm thinking about recently just a a group of folks that have come to celebrate recovery and how you've engaged them and wanting to make sure that you are ministering to them in a way that 
doesn't bring codependency, right? And really engaging in their life and wanting to see what their life is outside of just coming to CR. And I just, I think about your birth mom walking down the street praying for you to have a servant's heart. And I watched that. I've kind of had a front row seat to that over the years. And you are a servant, whether it's to your family and to your grandchildren or it's in ministry at home or at church, you're always in the place of a servant. And I don't know that that's connected and clicked for you or not, because sometimes it's hard for us to see ourselves as servants. But I see that. Yeah. And I know that through Celebrate Recovery and what I was saying, the key thing is, is it's about relationship. My past experience in church experiences, um, not to knock anybody, but Church down here is a lot different than church up north, or at least it was when I was Mm -hmm. growing up. And a lot of people got wounded through the Catholic Church amongst other churches. And a lot of times, just what I learned here was a lot of people, when they saw a change in me from my old life, they'd say, you know what I hate about Christians? And I really actually learned a lot of it from Pastor Roger, from things that he had said. They would say their spiel of what they didn't like. And I'd say, yeah, I hate that too, because Mm -hmm. it's really all about relationship Mm -hmm. and showing up and being there for somebody, but not taking over, letting them have that experience. Because I remember driving down the road, dealing with a difficult experience and we were going to a a woman's retreat Mm -hmm. and somebody else in the car was struggling with something. And Pastor Margaret, you said to them, you know, if you don't figure this out, God's just going to bring 10 more of them into your life. (laughs) And I remember going, I don't want 10 more of those in my life. And he put a lot of them in my life. And I still learn to deal with it. I'm still dealing with some of them now. But I'm grateful that God will hold my tongue so I don't say something I will regret, that I let that person have their say. And I'm like, I can say I'm sorry you feel that way right now and I'm glad you had the opportunity to say that to somebody and say it out loud Mm -hmm. and I found in a lot of ways that's diffused family arguments Mm -hmm. or no I'm not gonna you have that opinion but I'm not just because I'm quiet doesn't mean that I'm agreeing with you I'm just letting you say your opinion Mm. that's powerful that's staying in the relationship showing up and just being present such power in that. And it was through Celebrate Recovery that I've learned. It was like all the things, all the classes that God put in. I mean, he put them all in order. <laughs> and sometimes, like I said, multiple times. And when he's told me to step away from things, even if I'm afraid, and I'm like, well, it'll be okay. And um, during my healing, um, this was one thing that when I was thinking about what do I have to share, Liz Gillam Water gave me the verse in Joel about, and I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And that's helped me through so many things. Um, at one point, Pastor Margaret um, introduced me to Herta Harmon, and we did some artwork, and that became part of my artwork. And it was so powerful to have God's word in art. And it got me through a lot of hard things. But the one thing that um, with divorce, with working on whatever you're addicted to, because not eating is an addiction, it's something we're all trying to control something, and that's Mm -hmm. what I can control. 
when God um, is going to restore things, it's not going to look the way we want it to look. Mm-hmm. It might not even look like what we want it to look like, but in its own way, it's better. And that's the hardest thing for people to realize, like, okay, this is not the best, but it's better than what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, today um, I had gone to get um, a really delicious dirty latte. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was somebody selling some stickers, and I was, like, going, oh, wow. The sticker that I chose um, was, he will come to us like rain. And that's from Hosea. Mm-hmm. And um, he does. Sometimes he comes as a soft, soft rain. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he comes like a downpour. And it feels like we're not going to get through it. And the wind is whipping. And it's sideways. And the rain is coming from up below us <laughs> and all over and all around. But he's there in the midst of it. Right. And um, with Celebrate Recovery, with that hope he gives us, like, we just... You know, some people come in to celebrate recovery and maybe they're not ready. And it's the hardest thing to let people have that. Like you might see them in public and they might go the other way and you say, hey, it's okay. You know, sometimes God wants you to try it on for a little while and live life a little bit. But you're always welcome back when you feel the call. Come back. We're here. We're waiting for you. We love you. We care. Penny, as you were talking, a couple things stuck out to me. You were talking about the rain and God coming to us in the rain. I think about the scripture verse that talks about he rains on the just and unjust. And we always think of rain as a bad thing, but they saw rain as a good thing. Absolutely. Especially in drought season, farmers can relate to rain being a good thing. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, a lot of times we pray for God to take away whatever our storm is, but he wants to meet us in our storm. And he wants to let us know that he's there. And I love the acronym that you shared for hope uh, here in other people's experiences and how that really gives us power, you know, over the enemy by sharing with each other our struggles and helping each other carry each other's burdens. And I think about the scripture verse that's real foundational in this program, and that comes from Revelation 12. Uh, Verse 11, I believe, where it says they overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm -hmm. So uh, that really stuck out to me when you shared that. Yeah, thank you. I just have been so grateful to um, this church and to Celebrate Recovery um, for the tools it's given me and helped me through some really rocky seasons even now. I could get really teary-eyed right now um, thinking of, I wish I had those tools then, but God had a plan, even though it doesn't seem like um, it's, I know people say, this isn't fair and this isn't right, but he has a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you know, everything that you've been through, Penny, there's been some storms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the storms come and they continue, we continue, um, but God strengthens the trees and the mighty oaks and Everything is strengthened by storm, and we are too. And in those times where we think in the storm that he's not there, like he has never left us or forsaking us, he's been there through the storm, and it's hard in the midst of it. But when we get on the other side, we can usually look back and see that he was right there all along. And that's evident in um, your testimony. It's been an amazing 
journey uh, to watch you grow. And um, you came in with a lot of questions and a lot of processing you needed to do. And now you're on the other side of the table. And there's a lot of people that are coming to you. And as you help lead a group, and it's powerful to see that happen um, in the life of someone who's had brokenness like you have and allowed God to make beauty from ashes, right? Mm. And he has restored, and he will continue to restore the years the locusts have eaten. Penny, thank you for joining us on Hope Talks today, and thank you for letting us hear your experience Mm -hmm. um, today. Thank you for having me. And um, anybody who's been to Celebrate Recovery before and maybe they were like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Just keep on praying about it because the healing that you will find, yeah, I still have stuff, but I I have um, gotten closer to God um, through this experience, and he's the one who will get us through. Um, We don't have to live the way that we used to live. We can have hope and life in him. And I would just add to that something that you said earlier. We have resources and tools now Mm-hmm. to know how to, it's not that we come to celebrate recovery and everything is great, but it's we come to celebrate recovery and learn how to walk through difficult circumstances. You know, we've been given tools and resources through mm-hmm. celebrate recovery, um, trusting in Jesus and walking through maybe even difficult situations today, but we have the resources. We've learned some things that yes. can help us. Well, thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that as you've heard Penny Wilhelm's testimony that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.